This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. You are listening to the Thoughts from a Page podcast, which is a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name is Cindy Burnett, and I love to talk about books with anyone and everyone. While listening to my podcast, you will hear author interviews, behind-the-scenes conversations about various aspects of the publishing world, theme discussions with other book lovers, and more. For more book recommendations and a complete list of all of my interviews, check out my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Thoughts From a Page. In 2022, I would love for you to join my Patreon group. I offer at least two bonus episodes a month and a monthly advanced read and pre-publication author chat. For those on Facebook, I host a special Patreon Facebook group where we all chat books. Thanks so much to those who already participate, and I hope you will consider joining us. Today, I am chatting with Tiffany and Leon Chen of Tiff's Treats about their new book, It's Not Just Cookies. Tiffany and Leon started Tiff's Treats, the nation's first on-demand, bake-to-order, warm cookie delivery brand in 1999 as 19-year-old sophomores while in college at the University of Texas. Over the next 20-plus years, they've grown the business from one store to over 74 locations and counting, employing thousands and being valued at over $500 million. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, Tiff and Leon. How are you guys doing today? We're good. How are you? Doing well as well. And I'm really excited to talk about your new cookbook, It's Not Just Cookies. Well, thanks for having us. We're excited to talk about it. So why don't we start out? What I usually do is have authors talk a little bit about their book for those that won't have read it yet. Now, this is a cookbook, but it's also your story. So why don't you kind of give me a little bit of a synopsis of the cookbook and your story? Yeah, great. Um, so we definitely have recipes in the book, and this is the first time we've ever published any tips, treats, recipes. So we've got about 25, 28 cookie and bar recipes inspired by our flavors of the week that we uh, have been doing here at Tips Treats for years. But the other half of the book really is our story. It's a book about how we started from just a two-person business in our college apartment back in 1999 to kind of where we are today all these 20-some years later, having built a business with, you know, 75 locations. Yes, we talk a a lot about not only our story, but uh, there's a whole chapter in there about fundraising. And some of the questions that we get when we're asked to speak at events a lot, um, what's it like working with your spouse and just other, how how do you scale a business? And so it's really a full color book about Tiff's Treats 
that does have about 30 recipes in there as well. I was curious how you decided what things you were going to cover. Obviously, some of the basics, how you got started, the fact that you're married. But I was curious how some of the other things made their way in, you know, just how you decide what to tell and how you decide what not to tell. So it's mainly based on questions that you've gotten from people in the past. Yeah, we've done plenty of, you know, speaking engagements or interviews, and you sort of get an idea of the themes of things that people are curious about when you take back the curtain of how do you start a business? What are the key things that are have been critical to you? How do you work as a couple? We get that a ton. You know, what's it like having kids? You know, did, did that change things for you? And what are some, you know, tips or things that have worked for you? And so these are all topics that we thought would be great to cover, both going through our a little bit of our story and then a little bit of how we've built the business. And we really left out one of the most uh, fun things about the book, and that's, uh, we call them warm moments. We get to see some really amazing moments between people, connecting people by ordering and delivering cookies as part of major life events. And uh, we get emails in, we get uh, social media posts a lot uh, telling us some of these amazing use cases of, of somebody wanting to send cookies for whatever reason. And we share a lot of our favorite moments in the book as well. I really liked those, actually. I thought that was a great addition. Thank you. Well, it's interesting because I've been ordering Tiff's treats for quite some time, and I just didn't really think back on the fact, and I did once I was reading your book, that when I first started doing that, it was new to me, and it was something different, like ordering warm cookies. Now, of course, we all order everything, dinner, breakfast, lunch, whatever you know it is you want, you can get. You were the first ones to do the warm cookies, and really, at that time, I don't think I was even ordering other stuff. So- that's really great that you were on the forefront of that. It, it, it was one of those things where we were on the forefront, but we had no idea we were on the forefront <laughs> of anything. We were just trying to do our own thing. And uh, there was a problem to solve, which is, hey, we feel like there's nothing you could get delivered at the time in 1999, aside from maybe Chinese food and pizza. And we wanted something sweet and a dessert. And so uh, we were just trying to do our own thing. And little did we know, it was kind of like ghost kitchens became a thing. We we used the kitchen that we shared with another restaurant. So it was a ghost kitchen. And then on-demand delivery using technology became a real thing for, like you said, everything, including all sorts of different types of food. But back in those days, we were just trying to get our orders out as efficiently as possible and, and give a great customer experience. I was completely unfamiliar with the term ghost kitchens until I was reading your book. And that probably just shows my ignorance, but I didn't know that was a thing that people would come in and share a kitchen like that. Yeah, it's funny. It is now. And at the time we sort of just <laughs> invented is not the right word, but we were trying to solve a problem, which was we needed a commercial kitchen, but we certainly didn't have the money to rent a real one. We ended up sharing space with a potato restaurant um, it was right by UT, which was our main area of service. And effectively, you know, what a ghost kitchen is, is you're operating out of a kitchen, but your customers don't really know where you are. You're just kind of coming from anywhere. And that's how we got started. We didn't initially have retail storefronts. Um, we were just delivering out of, at first, our apartment and then a shared space, uh, a shared restaurant. And we grew from there. And sometimes we would re we would go back to the well and use ghost kitchens on, let's say, a Valentine's Day. We found a shared commercial kitchen when it started to become things that people would offer. Hey, we have this shared kitchen. And I think what happened there was more and more people have craft 
businesses that they want to get started really grassroots. And there was enough of those that it be, ghost kitchens became an industry of itself. So at the time, we were just asking random restaurants. Now they actually have these commercial kitchens that are shareable for those who want to start a small business, you know, really from scratch. It would have saved us months, I mean, years of stress and probably two less chapters in our book if we had, if we had that you know, as we got started. Absolutely. Yes. I can't even imagine operating out of your apartment like you did. Well, we were pretty small. So yeah, the, the funny thing is, is we didn't know, but at the time it was completely illegal to run a <laughs> home-based food business out of your apartment. We were just 19 years old, sophomores in college. We had no idea. Uh, and uh, we were just chugging along. It, it is now something that is legal uh, to run a home-based food business under a certain size in the state of Texas. But back when we started, uh, it was not. And uh, it was months, if not a year or so in before we found that out. Oh, that's interesting that it is legal now, I guess, because so many different people are trying those types of ideas now. Yeah, I think it was a way to allow for small businesses to flourish so that it's one less you know, blockade from getting started. But you have to follow the health, you know, they have regulations around it. It can't just be anything, but they do have regulations to allow for it, whereas at the time they didn't. And I think the last I checked, it's called a Texas cottage law. And the last I checked, it's a very small business. I think it's under $50,000 a year in revenue where they will allow it. So it'd be if you were just truly trying to get started, see if it was going to work before you invested all this capital and renting someplace and buying a bunch of things. Yeah. Well, I bet the technology has really changed for you all over the last 20 some odd years. It has. So when we started, well, we were lucky about the timing of when we started. We started in 99 and we were just having available cell phones, not just us, but it was becoming readily available to everyone, um, all of our customer base. That and the internet was how we were able to do a two-person business uh, because we could, all of a sudden you've got interactive maps and we're on delivery. All of a sudden you've got customers who can come down and meet you in the lobby of their building because you called them on your cell phone or if you couldn't find where you were going, you had a way to get in touch. And we learned early that technology was how we were going to be able to operate and scale the business. And we leaned into that. So we built our own proprietary software in 2005 because the software at the time that was off the shelf just wasn't cutting it for us. There was no business that operated in the same way that we did and had the same sort of offerings that we gave. And we just couldn't make one work. All the hacks we were doing to try to fit ourselves into an off-the-shelf software wasn't working. So we just scrapped it and said, we're going to build it from scratch. And we still use, uh, we've continued to upgrade that system over the last however many years. And we actually still use the base of that same system, but we've put in tons and tons and tons of investment into it. And it really runs the business. Right. One of our largest, if not the largest department is our IT department, uh, software developers, uh, making additions and, and fixing and maintaining our software. Right. And as things continue to change, they keep you updated with that. Yeah, what's cool now is that there is software out there that we can tie into. At the time, we were building pretty much everything because there, anything that was out there on the shelf, number one, there wasn't a way to tie into it. And number two, it wasn't all that fantastic. And now you've got really cool stuff out there. So, you know, we can tie into Google Maps and Google Address Check and things like this that we can, we don't have to build every last thing. We just have to have our software tie in and talk to other pieces. So as new technology comes out, 
it's even cooler for us because we're like, okay, great. Now we can bring that into the fold as well. Just integrate yourselves versus having to recreate something every time. Right. And save the customization for what we need and what only we need in order to have the best customer experience for our customers. And I felt like that was a theme of your book because you talk about that as well with expanding and needing to make so many dozens and dozens and dozens of cookies that you suddenly couldn't just use the things you had in your kitchen or your own apartment or even probably the ghost kitchen trying to make recipes larger. You probably had to reinvent a lot for yourselves. Yeah, we did a lot of, as we grew, you know, you'd get to a point where you knew the equipment you were using wasn't cutting it. You just, you you just couldn't make enough fast enough out of what it was. And then we would upgrade to a new thing. But each time we did, you would have to tweak, uh, go back to the recipe and say, okay, somehow it's not exactly working on this new bigger piece of machinery. For example, the paddle doesn't go all the way to the bottom like a hand mixer did. So now we need to tweak the, the recipe and the the mode of doing it in a way that is going to bring out the same product that we were giving before. So many failures in expanding, trying out just new pieces of, of equipment, just that alone. I bet. I can't even imagine. And you talk about that in your book, and I thought it was really interesting, things I had just not thought about. Well, why did you decide to write the cookbook now? Well, we were, you know, I guess we've thought about telling our story for a long time. And the reason we hadn't yet is because it's not over. And we're still in the thick of expanding and we're going to be expanding more and more. And we still think we're sort of in the middle of our journey, if anything, certainly not towards the end. But we thought, well, this might be a fun time to talk about everything that's led to us here. But at the same time, we've got so much more looking forward to. We're really in the thick of it. It's not a memoir in that we're done and we're looking back and things were closed. Things are very much still open for us. So we can talk about how we got here and then talk about, you know, where we're going or where we hope to go. Yeah, we we realize as we've been growing the business for the past two decades, people who know about the story or who ask us to come keynote for their business, they really are drawn to certain aspects of the story that I don't know if it's something that they don't, they didn't realize or something that we didn't realize they didn't know about us. So we thought, you know what, our customers, uh, they want to know the brand. And we get a lot of questions that they're just so curious as to, you know, how did you start? Why do you do the things you do? What do you stand for? Uh, What makes you excited? And so again, we just put them all in a book because we just felt like it was something we were telling over and over and over again. And the most efficient Best way to tell it is uh, in a in a book uh, chock full of uh, homemade versions of the recipes. Yeah, and the recipes is something else. It's a fun way to get the customers involved in their own bake story, you know, alongside us. And so they can experience tips, treats in a completely new and custom way for themselves in their own home kitchen. So that was really exciting for us to do. We hadn't considered doing it before. Um, but when we decided to add it into the book, I think the book took on a whole new life of excitement. Uh, I think a ton of people are going to really enjoy uh, and have fun with these recipes. They're not difficult. A beginner baker, even if you've not baked before, I think anybody can pick up this book and have success with with these recipes. Well, I do think the memoir genre is really evolving. And I think there are more and more memoirs that are for limited windows of time. So I think your book fits right into that in terms of telling your story, but you're not done yet. But also, I just think adding the cookies in is so much fun. And was that hard to decide? Obviously, you have some chocolate chip, peanut butter, some of the ones that are going to be automatically added to your book. But what about the others? Was it hard to pick which ones to put in and which ones to leave out? 
Well, we wanted to put in some of the more fun ones. Like you said, of course, we've got chocolate chip in there and a few other basics because you want to just have this in your arsenal to just have the basic cookies at your fingertips. But it was sort of easy on our end because we've been running flavors of the week for so many years. It gave us this huge list of running cookies that we've done. Maybe we've only run them once. Maybe we've run them a handful of times. There are some that we've never run. These are just kind of tips herself. Yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. Some of them, then we just kind of got off and running on a few fun things that, hey, we don't sell these at Tiff's Treats, but this is a fun take on the same, you know, base uh, recipes. And now you can move into a whole new direction. So we've got a little bit of everything in there and it was definitely fun to work those through. There are so many different cookies that you come up with and I love following that on your website. And so I was just kind of curious which ones you decided to include and which ones you didn't. Another thing that I love is that I can add milk or I can add ice cream to my order. How did you decide to have those as options? I think the milk is an automatic, and I almost think we may have had that at the very, very beginning, because how can you do warm cookies without milk? And then ice cream is a natural next step. We sell Bluebell ice cream um, in the pint and by the little cup um, and, and have for quite a few years. And I'll say eating cookies without ice cream, once you've eaten it with ice cream, is just wrong. And you should just always have that. It's, <laughs> it's a perfect compliment. And you should always, always, always get it. And then we started branching out a little bit. I know we started doing ice cream sandwiches a few years in. For people coming into the store. Yeah. And we have our own frozen dessert called the Tip Blitz. Yeah. And the Tip Blitz came to because Leanne and I were at a, I think it was like a food and wine festival. And somebody was selling something that was almost like mushed up cake inside ice cream. It was like an ice cream cup with like mushed up cake at the bottom. And he, Liam was like, this is the best thing. It's so great. And so he and I just got set to work. Well, how could we incorporate that idea, but with Tiff Treats things? And so we came up with what ended up being the Tifflets, which is chopped up chocolate chip cookie chunks, chopped up brownies mixed together with ice cream and topped with sugar cookie crumbles. And so it's a ready-to-go little cup dessert. And we've been selling that, I don't know when that was, maybe 2008-ish, that we brought that onto the menu. But we do add fun things like that to the menu, and that's, that's been a great add-on. But that's not available for delivery, is it? Yes, you can get the tiplets for delivery, and you can get the pints of ice cream for delivery. The only thing we won't deliver is the ice cream cookie sandwich because the cookies are warm, the ice cream is not. And by the time we got to your house, it would definitely just be a huge pile of liquid. Yes, a nice big mushy pile. Okay, I'm going to have to look for that ice cream treat because that sounds so yummy. It is. Which cookies are each of your favorites? So my favorite cookie on our regular menu is oatmeal chocolate chip. And in the book, we did an oatmeal dark chocolate pistachio as kind of an upgraded nod to that classic. And I think any cookie with oatmeal um, and chocolate in it is amazing. And mine for the regular menu is our snickerdoodle, which is uh, just one of our top sellers uh, and uh, to me, the best one. Now, on our specials menu, once a year, we have red velvet cookies. I love those. And about once a year, we have banana nuts which is amazing. And both of those recipes are in the book. This is so much fun and it's making me hungry to talk about all these cookies. When we <laughs> hang up, I'm going to have to order Tiff's treats. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we hope. Yeah, exactly. My favorite is just the straight up chocolate chip. Well, that's our top seller. It's like pepperoni pizza. We sell about half of our entire inventory is chocolate chip and then the other half is the rest of the flavors. And it's, it's, and it's classic and it's one of, it's, it's in my top three for sure. 
Yeah, they're just so yummy. And when they come warm, I have to just eventually put the box away or I'd eat all of them. And I love the way you have done the half dozen. Is that something you started with? That's a great question. We've done half dozens for a long time. So it was pretty early on, if not immediate. I mean, we must not have had small enough boxes. But. And a lot of people actually are frustrated. They can't get one of this kind, two of that kind. And we have to explain it. The reason why you can't do that is because we bake to order. That's the, that's the big difference. We don't bake your actual order until it comes in. That way it gets into the oven, into your box and delivered out to you as hot as humanly possible. And in doing that kind of high volume, it's very difficult to bake one of this, two of that. So we do limit it to sixes. We joke, and it's akin to if you called uh, or ordered online at a pizza place and you asked for like a slice of pepperoni, <laughs> two slices of pineapple, four slices of supreme, you wouldn't be able to get that in one pizza. That's kind of the same thing as far as ordering two dozen cookies. You can choose four different flavors. Okay. I love that analogy. Can you imagine the pizza place? If you're like, I want one slice pepperoni, <laughs> one slice sausage, uh, the other side can have peppers. Exactly. I've always thought six was great. Being able to split the dozen is wonderful. Well, good. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Well, I had no idea you guys had had trouble with Tiffany and company and trouble is a strong word. I had no idea that Tiffany and company had reached out and were concerned about the use of their name when you were originally Tiffany's treats. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I, I think so. I, uh, <laughs> hopefully I can. We were very new and young, and I think we got on their radar because we did what any business should do after a few years in business, and that's file for a federally registered trademark. Uh, and that caught the attention of the attorneys at Tiffany & Company. And it was a real lesson early on in business, a big decision we had to make, which is at the time, based on the law's that were being litigated, we probably could have won the case as far as Tiffany and company was claiming trademark dilution, which is a very, very, very famous brand. You can't have a name similar to that, even if you're in a completely different industry, because it would dilute their brand. However, at the time, they had to prove in the, in the court cases, you had to prove actual monetary damages in order for you to win. So that would have been next to impossible for them to do that. But we looked at our bank account. We surmised what their bank account was. And we realized we did not want to, this wasn't the stand we wanted to take. We didn't want to get into a multi-year legal battle on the principle of a name. And we were fortunate to be able to work with them to change our name from Tiffany's Treats to tip treats, which it is today. And, and we look back on it now, and it's funny that we even ever thought that we didn't want to be called tip treats or that tip treats wouldn't work. I thought that was such an interesting story. And then Tiff commented that she had gone by Tiffany for the most part, but now everybody started calling her Tiff and that sort of stuck as well. Yeah, it did. It's funny. And this is so long ago now that I just go by Tiff, but it really was because of that. I had a handful of friends that would call me Tiff. But far and away, my name was Tiffany, and that's what people... In fact, my dad still calls me Tiffany. But after the company changed names, it just naturally... People just started assuming that I go by Tiff, and so therefore, I did. And so, yeah, it's really funny because Tiffany and company has effectively changed my personal name. I love that. I also think it's just crazy that Tiffany and company would have the name for anybody who's named Tiffany can't name their business that. That just seems so crazy to me. But 
it all worked out and Tiff Street sounds so cute. <laughs> yes, we think it did work out. At the time, it was devastating to get that letter just because it's just something. Well, the legal bill, we didn't have money for the legal bills, number one. Number two, we were terrified of losing any brand recognition that we already had. When you look back on it, that was kind of silly. We had only been in business a couple of years, and I think we could have bounced back from that. But when you're in the middle of it, sometimes it's hard to see that kind of stuff clearly. Oh, absolutely. And to have a company as old and well-known as Tiffany and Company sending you a letter, I can see where that would be jarring. Yes. So opening up in new cities, what's that been like? Yeah, it's been an experience, that's for sure. Uh, We always wanted to expand after the first few years, and we realized this could work. This could work in other cities. So we opened in Dallas uh, in 2006 was our second location. And uh, we joke about it because the smart thing to do would have been to open more in the current city that you're in. And for whatever reason, we decided, let's go to Dallas. That's our hometown. Let's open let's open there and see how it goes. And the good news is we learned how to run multi-unit locations very early on. The bad news is it was a horrible, horrible experience at first because we had no idea what the heck we were doing. I can't even imagine. When I was reading all of that, I thought, It is interesting going to a whole new city, but of course you were from there and trying to kind of recreate what you were doing. And then of course that was meaning you were going to have to go back and forth between Austin and Dallas, but now you've expanded all sorts of places and it sounds like you're continuing that. Yeah, we have. Um, We opened in most of the major markets in Texas in a row, and then we decided it was time to go outside of Texas. So we opened in Atlanta. In fact, we opened quite a few. We've got seven locations in Atlanta. And then after that, we opened in Nashville and then Charlotte. And now we're in Oklahoma City. And we've got several more new markets on the horizon as well. And it is an adventure. It's interesting to learn. Well, it's fun to go see and learn about a new city. It's always a challenge to get your name out in a new place, especially in a place like Atlanta, which is just absolutely massive. And we have the same problem with Dallas. Dallas was way larger than Austin, and we were going in there with no budget, with one location. It took us years to get our name out there, and so that's always a challenge in a new market. And it's not, it's not just because of getting your name out there. Whenever we go into a new market, we are pretty much the only bake-to-order, warm-cookie delivery company, on-demand gifting company that, that's in the market. So you kind of, not only do you have to get people's attention, you got to get people to try you out in, in, in enough volume to make the business work because it's usually their first time to ever order on-demand, bake-to-order, warm cookie delivery. And so it's, it's a whole new industry that you're trying to teach people to use. And so that, that has always been our challenge early on. Um, and luckily for us, we've been able to make strides every new city we enter in to do that better and, and, and get people to understand the brand faster. And that's uh, another positive impact about the book we see as well. I agree. And I was thinking that earlier when we were talking about it, the book itself is great marketing. And as it makes its way out across the country, then everybody's going to want to tip streets in their city. Hope so. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> but it definitely educating the consumer and saying, even though people are used to delivering food and things like that, to actually have cookies delivered. And you talked a little bit about Early on, you know, originally you were taking orders from the people who wanted the cookies themselves. And then one of your customers wanted them delivered elsewhere. And that's actually, I order for me some, but I order probably 85% of what we order is to go to other people. And so I think that probably is a large part of your business. It is uh, more so than ever and growing. And like you said, we didn't even 
envisioned that when we very first started. We thought this was a snacking thing, a dessert, you know, a, a late night. Um, and then we had somebody see if we could send it to somebody else, and the gifting took off from there. Yes, it wasn't until only very recently did we sit down and realize on-demand gifting, especially of made-to-order fresh, hot food, isn't really a thing. We we don't really know of anyone else that will bake you something or make you something. It's still being hot and and send it as a gift or specialize in that. And, and we actually do that. And it was another thing that we kind of accidentally led as far as the industry goes. You can order on-demand, but that's mostly restaurants and most of the people order that for themselves. Uh, and you can order shipping, uh, Amazon two-day prime, uh, and you can send that as a gift. But really what we do, you can walk into work one morning, realize you forgot your mom's birthday, go online, and within an hour, you could send her a box of warm cookies either at her house or at her work, and it arrives, and it doesn't feel like or look like you forgot her birthday. <laughs> Absolutely. Or like my husband's birthday this year was during the week. He was in arbitration, but I wanted to make sure that he celebrated. So I just sent tons of cookies from you guys to him for everybody he was working with. And it was a huge hit. And I think things like that are just wonderful, you know, because you're thinking this is a way he can celebrate at work with warm cookies, but I don't have to be the one baking six dozen cookies and bringing them downtown. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I, uh, th- it'll be interesting to see as people start trying to bake the recipes in the book, if they give up and just order tips treats, or if they just start baking the cookies and, and, and they do that instead. Nah, I think they'll make them for themselves, but I think that most of the time they're going to say, I would really like them from tip streets still. <laughs> well, is there anything I haven't asked that you guys want to talk about with respect to the book? You know, is there a warm mo- moment or something we can, we can talk about maybe uh, just I love that. Yes. Highlight one of the ones you want to, because I thought they were all great. Is there one in particular that really stands out for you? So one of my favorite warm moments uh, that we write about in the book happened kind of early on. And this was when our district manager at the time was answering phone calls, taking orders. And we had a lady call her and the lady was starting her order and they got to talking. And our district manager, Lindsay, she said to the lady, oh, hey, uh, what is this order for? And the lady on the other end of the line said, oh, you know, this is an order for my boss. It's coming to the office, me and all of the coworkers. Uh, we wanted to get together and order cookies for him because he used to tell us a story all the time. Every time it rained, he would tell us, oh, my mom, when I was a kid, she would bake me cookies. If I saw it raining at school, I know when I arrived home from school, there'd be a fresh batch of cookies. That was our thing. And my mom did that for me. Well, the lady uh, in the office told Lindsay, she said, well, today is the first day uh, it's rained since his mom recently passed away. And so we wanted to get together, all of us here, and celebrate and honor his mom and order some fresh hot cookies so we could all share. And and it was just an incredible moment. Lindsay was retelling the story to us, and just she was tearing up. We were tearing up, and it's still one of my favorite stories of all time. I love that story. And even though I'd read it in the book, as you're telling it, it makes me want to tear up. So yes, that is so sweet. And it's just wonderful to hear those types of stories. Makes you really happy that you have the business that you have. Absolutely. We get to see this kind of stuff a lot. And you'll see, even when sometimes it feels like there's just a lot of, you know, a lack of love in the world, there's not. There's a ton of love out there. And we are fortunate to be able to see people 
sending gifts to each other, sharing gifts, sharing cookies together, and sending really neat messages and experiencing cookies in a way that's bringing them together. So we, we're lucky we get to see that a lot. Yeah, we say we get to see the best that human nature has to offer. Um, and not every job, not every company gets to, to participate in that. And we feel very fortunate that we get to see it every single day. Absolutely. Especially these days when everything's been so crazy, it is very nice to be on the positive side of things. I I don't know how we would have gotten through the past couple of years if we weren't constantly getting a barrage of these moments to keep us going. Well, you probably helped everybody else get through the last couple of years as well. Well, I hope so. I hope we could be of of some comfort and joy in, in times that maybe weren't as great. I definitely think so. Well, Tiff and Leon, I really appreciate your joining me today on the Thoughts from a Page podcast, and I can't wait for everybody to get your cookbook and read about your story. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. Tell all of your friends about the show and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. The book discussed in this episode can be purchased at my bookshop storefront and the link is in the show notes. I hope you'll tune in next time. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.